You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Thank you to the worship team for uh, that time of, of bringing us before God's throne. And I think about those words, I stand in awe of the one who gave it all. And as I think about that, the question that it makes me ponder is, um, how will I respond knowing that this is an awesome God? This is the one who did everything for me. How, how, how will I respond? And that's a question that I think is, is a big part of what we're going to be talking about uh, as we go through the book of Galatians today. Before I begin, I'd like to tell you a story a real story uh, about a young, a young boy who became a man. I'll call him Johnny to keep his name confidential. A few years back, a number of years back now, um, there was a family that was uh, very broken, a very broken home, where uh, the mom in the home was completely absent. She wasn't in the picture, and the dad worked all the time. There were some siblings in the home, but, uh, but there was a baby, a two-year-old, and he wasn't well taken care of. The grandmother, who was the only one who seemed to really care about the grandchildren, wanted to do something to help, but, uh, but she w- was personally unable to take the, kid, uh, take the kids home. So she happened to find a family that would take this two-year-old in, this two-year-old boy, and, uh, and was able to talk to him about, you know, would you guys consider raising him? Uh, just take him into your home, treat him as if he was one of yours. And this family basically took him in. It wasn't a full adoption, but it was a, an agreement that, yeah, we will do what we can for the family and we'll take him in. So at two years of age, this child, this boy, we'll call him Johnny, um, comes into this home. And after a certain period of time, the biological dad would, would want his son back. And so he would ask the family, hey, can, I'd like him back. Could you please give him back? And they would, it would be really painful, but they would, they would give the child back to, to the biological dad. And this would last for about three or four months. And after about three or four months, without any rules, without any structure, uh, the boy's behavior just was unbearable. So the dad would take this, this, this son and he would take him back to the family and say, no, I don't want him. Please take care of him. And they would take him back. And this cycle just repeated itself over and over and over again until this child was about 10 years of age. And at about, the age, at about age 10, uh, this, this child was given an option. And the option was to go and permanently live with his biological family um, where there, were, there would be no rules, uh, no expectations. He could do whatever he wanted to. Or he could stay with, his, with this caring family. But, if he, cared, but he stayed, if he stayed with that family, there would be structure, there would be love, but that love would be demonstrated in, in the way uh, people served each other, which would be expected of him too. So there would be rules in the home, but it would definitely be a loving home. And as I think about that story and I think about um, this, this life that we live right now. This child has this, this option of choosing to do what I want or, or choose something that is good for me and 
and it, in the end, it is good, good for me. Um, the things we want to do right now as we live the COVID life, the quarantine life, um, so many things are taken away from us. We want our freedom. We miss community, fishing, hiking, eating out, movies, church with other people. These are some of the things that, as I think about, uh, I miss, and I know we miss. And as I think about this, um, if, if you could snap your fingers and this quarantine life were over, what would, what would you do? What would be the first thing that you would go and do? Um, and I think perhaps one of the things that I would do, I love what our, our monthly potlucks at the Comunidad service, the two o'clock service, the convivios, just to be able to sit down with like two, uh, 150 to 200 people and just eat and enjoy uh, this time together, getting to know people, talking to people. I love that. that. That would probably be one of the things that I would love to do or, or being able to go with my family and visit other people, you know, just things like that. These are things that, that we can do because there's freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is concerned for the freedom of the Galatians. Um, something is coming, and it's, it's already taking root in the church. It's about to take away their freedom, and he sees it. He's already lived this experience in another church. He sees it, and he warns them. He uh, speaks to them of this teaching that the Judaizers are bringing, and it's a, it's a teaching uh, of bondage. It's a teaching that basically says, yeah, if you want to be truly accepted into the family of God, then, you know, um, you have to keep the Mosaic Code. You have to eat kosher food. You have to keep these festivities. And, and if you do all these things, then you're truly accepted into God's family. Otherwise, you know, you're really not quite there yet. And so uh, the Galatians are wondering, well, okay, do we, do, is, is, this, is this really what we're supposed to do? And a lot of them are being dragged away. Um, in fact, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul, out of his personal experience in a different church, he says, he says this, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The truth of the gospel is about real freedom. And these people had come into the church and they were bringing this virus, this poison. It was so subtle that even Peter and Barnabas were being dragged away by, by this mentality of superiority, of trying to uh, achieve acceptance by your works. And it was bringing division in the, tr in, in, in the church. It was bringing bondage. So when we look at last week, last week Jay spoke to us about um, what, it, what it means to be a child of bondage or a child of faith in Christ. And he presented the, the section before this passage and the question he asked us was, whose child are you? And so as we dive into Galatians chapter five, I'd like us to just um, stay with that thought. Whose child are you? In Galatians chapter five, Verses 1 through 15, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, 
I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be, cir be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is, filled, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Let's pray. Father, as I think about this passage and I think about my life, I think about our lives, um, I'm very grateful for your call and the purpose that you have for our lives. A purpose that saves us from bondage and a purpose that saves us to something absolutely great. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us, help us hear your voice, that this wouldn't be just an exercise in information and just knowing more. We want to know you, and we want to be transformed by you, to grow in this relationship with you, and let that overflow into our lives and the lives of others. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Think of that phrase. Um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's, it's an amazing opening statement. And as I think about that, um, the, the question is, it's freedom from something, and it's freedom to something. The word for in the passage, when it says it is for freedom, speaks of purpose. Uh, you think about the purpose of the cross. What Jesus did uh, the reason why Jesus made a ransom payment for a slave was so we could live in freedom. And the question is, what is freedom? And as, as you look at this story, of, or Johnny's story, it's, it's very similar in that story. The first one is, uh, there's, there are two definitions of freedom. The first one is, I get to do whatever I want. Um, I, get, I get to indulge in the things I desire, no, it thinks as long as, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I can do this, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it's the kind of mentality that rationalizes. I really want to do this, so I'll find some reason, some way, uh, you know, to, 
to, to convince myself that this is okay. It pursues my personal happiness. It's me-centered. It's I get to do whatever I want. That's the world's definition of freedom. The biblical definition of freedom is different. It says, I get to do what God wants. It recognizes that God designed me. He, he has a purpose in his design. He knows and wants what's best for me. And it's also the mentality that says, I willfully choose to align my desires, not just my actions. Sometimes we, we, we're willing to align our actions and do what God wants, but our heart's not really in it. And this type of freedom says, I want to choose to align my desires with God's desires, my ambitions, my actions, and, and, and follow God's truth. It says, it's the mentality of saying that living in obedience to God is a privilege. It's a privilege. Uh, Jesus put it this way. He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he is concerned for their freedom. In his concern for the choice the Galatians are making, Paul says this, do not let yourselves be burdened again, by a yoke of slavery. When I was a kid uh, growing up in Paraguay, one of the things I got to see often was, uh, was a yoke and an ox cart, or a yoke of oxen. So you'd have a couple of giant animals, these, these oxen, and uh, there would be a, a giant beam, almost pretty much a beam going across their shoulders or across their necks. And they would be tied together and there would be a, uh, a piece of wood between them that would be hooked to the, to the ox cart. And a lot of times these wheels on these ox carts would be about six to seven feet tall on each side. The amount of weight that they could carry was impressive, but they were subject to that yoke. And when I think about what Paul is saying, he's, he's saying, you know, um, don't, don't let yourselves be burdened. Don't put on this yoke. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a, a yoke of slavery. This yoke isn't something that is a good thing. It's a yoke that bond, uh, brings people into bondage. I could also picture, uh, I looked at some pictures of what yokes, if there were yokes in, in slavery, and oftentimes what that would look like would be a beam, and there would be people tied by their necks, to, to this, this beam, and that that's how they would be uh, transported to different places. And what he's saying to the Galatians, that's the picture. Don't, don't put on this yoke of, of, of bondage, of brokenness. Um, so the question is, what were they slaves to? And if you keep in mind, um, he's speaking to the Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus. These are people in Galatia who made a decision to follow Christ, and now these people were coming and feeding this lie that in order to be right with God, you had to be, to, be, to be accepted in the family, you had to keep the Mosaic Code. He's also speaking not just to people who, who, who he's saying you have to keep this law, these rules, but he's also saying um, that there are people in the church who used to live in brokenness, in sin, in broken relationships and all that. And sometimes after they've come to Christ, they're thinking, you know what? I want to go back and live that way. 
And so this yoke may look different for different people, but those were the yokes of the past in Galatia. And Paul is concerned, he says, don't put that yoke back on. If I think about ourselves and I think about just humanity in general, we naturally have a tendency to want to earn our way before God. And when religion comes knocking on your door, it's interesting the times I've answered uh, people who will come and present their beliefs at our door and I'll have a conversation with them. Usually it goes like this. You know, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. And we talk about it a little bit and they talk about the world's brokenness. And then they'll say something like, you know, God has all these rules that we need to follow to be right with him. And, and we know what those rules are. We would like to share those rules with you. And those rules generally have to do with uh, be part of our church, our beliefs. If you follow these rules that we have, you'll be right with God. What's interesting is I've asked many of those people, you know, okay, so what are the list of rules? And then I'll ask, so are you right with God? If you were to die today, would you spend eternity with God? And over 90%, actually most, I don't know if I've heard one who has said yes. Usually they say, well, I hope so. <laughs> it reminds me of a time I was in, in Bolivia and uh, I happened to go downtown and I, I, I was standing in front of this shop and this uh, teenager was there and he saw this missionary drive by and as he saw the missionary drive by, um, he looked at the missionary and, and the truck and he said, oh, there, there goes a good man. He didn't know I was friends with the guy who drove by, um, but he said, there goes a good man. And I, I thought that was interesting. Um, and I said, why do you think he's good? And he said, well, he's been here a long time and that guy is, is really, really good. He's just a really good guy. And I said, so you think he's gonna go to heaven? Yep. Yeah, I do. And so I asked him, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And he said, well, I, I hope so. And so I asked, well, how do you know? And he said, well, I, I, I try to keep God's commandments. I, I try to do what God wants. And so I asked him, well, what are some of God's commandments? And he mentioned out of the Ten Commandments, I think he was able to mention maybe three or four. And I asked him, do you keep all of those, the ones that he knew? And he said, well, I, I try, I don't, you know. Um, and it, it was really sad in the moment because I was, I was asking him, are you gonna spend eternity with God? And he, he basically answered, well, I hope so. And when I think of this verse in 1 John 5, 13, um, John speaks to, the, to that church and he says, I, I, I write, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life. <laughs> I'm writing to you who believe in Jesus that you might know you have it. It's, eternal life is yours. You can know here and now if you're going to spend eternity with God, if you can have eternal life now. And this young man was banking eternity on I hope so. And I, I, just, I just think about this where are we in our relationship with God? What are we banking on? How are we living our lives before God? And here Paul is writing the Galatians and in verse two he says, mark my words, I Paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. 
Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Basically, in, in other words, he's saying, if you try to pay for it, it's no longer a gift. And by the way, you can't afford this gift. Uh, imagine that, just to get perspective. What Jesus did for us when he came to this earth over 2,000 years ago, left heaven, came to this earth, lived his life, went to the cross, died, and his death was a ransom payment for our lives to, pay, to buy us from slavery to sin and brokenness. And he does it as a gift. A gift is something you give freely. It's unconditional. You know, you don't, when someone offers you a gift, they are offering you a present, you don't take out your wallet and you're like, here, can I pay you for that? Th that would be an insult because the point of a gift is it's free. And God is offering this gift and, and it, he paid the price he put on this gift was the life of his son. So are we really, Galatians, are you really going to turn around and think that a, a, a small surgery or your works are going to be sufficient to pay for this gift? It's, it's an insult to God to try to be justified by your works. So if, if you're trying to pay for this gift, it's, it's no longer a gift. And Paul is saying, you know, keep in mind, if, you, if you're going to go that route, you have to keep the entire thing, not just part of the law. You have to keep the whole thing. And the problem with that is nobody does. So the Galatians at first, when Paul first came to preach to them, when Paul, Paul first came to teach them about it, they understood this. But somewhere down the line, these people were telling them, that now the mature thing is to try to earn your right standing before God. And Paul is afraid for them. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You, had, you have fallen away from grace. To the true believer, Paul isn't saying you are losing your eternal salvation. When he says that, that line, you have fallen away from grace, to those, and he's speaking to believers, to people who have a relationship with Christ. He's not saying you're losing, you know, by taking this route, you're losing your salvation. What he's saying is that you're living in that way. You're living in a way that enslaves you rather than living in a way that is, is freedom. You who are sons of God are living as if you were not. So you're not living by grace, keep in mind that even Peter and Barnabas in that, uh, in that other church, when they heard the Judaizers come and they were dragged away by this legalistic mentality, they weren't losing their salvation, but the grace of God was being, uh, was being torn apart by their behavior. In fact, Paul sees them doing this. They, they come to this church and they come in oh, and everybody's like, oh, it's the apostle Peter. Wow, that, that, you know, and pretty soon uh, the Judaizers come by Peter and they're from Jerusalem. And so Peter uh, kind of hangs out with them a little bit. And they're like, you know, Peter, um, 
I understand, you know, we're here in, in the Antioch church or whatever church they're in, uh, and, you know, and, and that these people are trying to follow God, but they haven't been circumcised yet. And they're eating uh, pork and they're eating all these other things that they're not supposed to eat because children of God don't do that. And Peter follows them. He's like, yeah, you're right. And fa Paul faces, them, faces Peter and says, you hypocrite. Peter, how, how is this possible? And he, he faces him because Peter wasn't acting in line with the gospel. He was acting in line with bondage. And so um, here Paul is concerned for the Galatians and he goes on, he goes on to say, uh, um, uh, by the way, if, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this and you're attempting to justify yourself before God, maybe by your actions, maybe by the church you attend or, or the things you're doing, you think this is your way to earn your, way, your acceptance before God. Keep in mind what Paul says. He says, you are alienating yourself from Christ. You're rejecting, basically you're rejecting the work of the cross. You're separating yourself from the Savior and there's only one, it's Jesus. And, and by choosing to, to bring your gifts to, to, as payment, you're rejecting God's gift. Interestingly here, when we go on in the passage, Paul tells the Galatians, he says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? <laughs> that picture of an athlete who... Uh, um, I, when I was in high school, I ran uh, long distance, so I ran the middle like 800 meters and then a mile and two mile. And, but as I think about this and I tried to picture it, imagine in the middle of, of an Olympic race or whatever, these guys take off, gun goes off, they take off, and the guy goes around one lap and he has four laps that he's supposed to run. After the one lap, he uh, gets a cell phone call and he pulls out his cell phone on the middle of the track and answers it and says, hey, John, how are you doing? Or maybe it's Bob. I don't want to have two, two of the same names. But he, he answers the phone and, and uh, uh, you know, that would be ridiculous. Or, or what if he's running first lap around the track and the second lap he, he chooses to go and run through the stands? <laughs> you know, high-fiving people or whatever. It's just, it's, 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 it's absurd. And Paul is telling them, you know, you started out well. You started running this race the right way. And it's ironic because they think that by obeying these rules or, or, or following this different path that this is the actual way, the best way to obey God, when in fact Paul tells him in reality it's keeping you from obeying the truth. In chapter 3 he had told them, you started by the transforming power of the Spirit and now you're going to become perfect by works? That's not the way it works. That's, that's, that's not, not how it goes. If you, if you start by being transformed by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, where you come to Christ and you come and you say, I surrender, I need you to come into my life and be my savior, God does the work. God starts the work and he's the one who helps us finish the work. We trust on him the entire way. So, Think about this. God is calling, he's calling us. He's calling you. And the moment you come to Christ, the moment you come and you say, I need a savior, 
um, you come to him by faith. And it, it's not just a faith that happens a moment in time and it's over. It's a faith that we live in every day. We continue to live in this faith. And then Paul goes on and he, um, he talks about, um, you, could, you could sense God, uh, Paul's feeling towards these people that are teaching lies. And you see Paul's rejection of these enslaving voices. A little yeast works throughout the whole batch of dough, he says. Um, basically, he's saying, guys, keep in mind, bad teaching affects everything. If you're going to live your life and live your life on conditions, conditions like, like the ones that these uh, Judaizers are putting in, it's basically living your life before God in bondage. It's not freeing. It doesn't actually empower you to follow Christ, to obey God. Basically, all it does is it says you're not making it. You're not cutting it. So Paul goes on and he says this, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, uh, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. But this thought, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. Um, I love how Paul is, he's defending the truth. He's telling them, you know, how important this is to not be caught up in bondage. But you've got these other people that are teaching something different. And Paul's confidence isn't found in his argument. His confidence is found, that, is found in, in Christ, is found in the Lord. He's going to tell them the truth. He's going to trust that God's going to do the work of convincing them. And I think about my own life. I think about when we interact with people and, and we want to share our faith and we want to tell them. A lot of times we want to do the convincing. We, want, we, we, we get passionate. We want to tell them. And we have to realize that God's the one at work. He's the one who, 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 uh, who completes this work, and he's the one who convinces people where they need to be convinced. In the end of this passage, Paul says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. You were called to be free. You were called to be free. Think about that for a minute. Think about your week, perhaps the moments of struggle you might have had um, at home, maybe in your words or your thoughts or your actions. And Paul says, you were called to be free. You don't have to live your life in bondage to sin. You don't have to live in brokenness. You don't have to try to earn your place before God to be in his family. If you've come through faith in Jesus Christ, you were designed with a purpose and you get, you get to be what a son is in this family. I think of this young boy's choice, of Johnny's choice. He's faced with, I get to go and live with my biological dad and do what I want, or I get to live with this family that I've, I've been with. The sad story for Johnny was that 
every so often he got a taste of freedom, of what he thought was freedom, and when he started to experience it, he became so unbearable that he was taken back to the other family. In his case, at age 10, with the immaturity level, he made a choice, and that was over 20 years ago. And the choice was to go and live with his biological family. So in his lifetime, this kid has been uh, in all kinds of brokenness. And the last time he called the family that had taken him in was from prison. And generally when he's going through a hard time, he will call that family because he remembers what love felt like, what true freedom was like. But he chose to live in bondage. I would like to encourage you to think about the family we get to be a part of. And what God calls us to do in this passage, he basically says, Paul says, you know, the family that we get to live in, the freedom that we have allows us to serve each other in love. In this past week, in the past couple of weeks, um, I've had conversations with one of the teachers from East Gresham Elementary. And as we've been serving food at the food bank here at the church, and uh, I was packing some onions with her, and she said this. She said, I would like, you know, um, could you pass on a message to the people who are involved? And basically, that's you, Grace Community Church. It's the people who make this possible. And she said, I just want you guys to know that I am abs very grateful for the investment of time and love that you guys put in to our families and our children. To be able to, and during, she's talking about like Advent Conspiracy and, and the big Christmas celebration and just all the things that, that Grace Community Church does like Backpack Blessings um, or, or, or even right now, she says, you know, I can take this bag of food to special needs families. And these are kids who even now aren't connected with school because they can't do technology. But to receive a bag of food and to see a teacher come, that's the only time they have a connection with the outside world and they're just so grateful. And one of the, th the things the teacher said was, you guys truly live out your faith. And it's just evident. You guys live out your faith. What an interesting statement. It shows the freedom that we have in Christ. We get to serve others and there's this great satisfaction and joy when you see people served and uh, needs met, but even greater when, when that turns into relationship and that relationship comes to be not just with us, but Christ comes into people's lives and their lives are transformed. It's amazing. It's amazing to walk with people who are in complete brokenness and, and share Christ with them and see them come to Christ and have their lives completely transformed and live in this freedom. So that's one example of the freedom that we get to live in. As far as application goes for our lives, I would like us to just consider three things. First, I'd like you to consider that God, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God is calling you to be part of the family. 
God did everything to pay for your life, for your eternal uh, placement in his family. He has done everything for your life, for, for you. And, and not just to save you to go to a place, he saves you to be in relationship with him. The almighty God, the creator of the universe, is looking down on us and he knows us by name, but he wants to not just know us, but he wants us to get to know him and to come into relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with God, he's inviting you to leave the brokenness, leave the bondage. It could be of religion. It could be of, of sin and brokenness. And he's inviting you to come into relationship with him. You can do that by just talking to him, by thinking because he hears your thoughts. And you can invite him and say, I need you, God. I need you in my life. Please heal me from my brokenness. Forgive me from my sins. Come into my life and be my savior. Just talk to him. Secondly, I want to ask those of you who have a relationship with Christ, do you find yourself off track in your spiritual life? Sometimes, especially now, when life just seems to be going into uh, a cycle with the COVID life, the quarantine. Sometimes there's a lot of boredom. It, it can be. But maybe in your, in your spiritual walk with Christ, maybe when you sit down and, and you pray before a meal, that prayer is always the same one. And as you think about that, what does that say about your relationship with God? Is that the way I talk to my wife every time I talk to her? Do I say the same thing? But I don't know how you are in your spiritual walk, where you're at in your spiritual walk with Christ, but maybe you're off track. And, and I just want you to know that God is calling you to spend time with him, to take some time in his word, to read it and just be still and listen, think about it, and also take some time to talk to God about what he's saying. Freedom is about living with God about walking with him, about being in relationship, with, in relationship with him. And lastly, for those of us who know Christ and for all of us, Jesus calls us to be free. You belong to a family, a, fam, a family that runs on love. And man, right now, we're missing the family in the building, together, face-to-face. Uh, -face. We're missing it, but, but this family runs on love. So maybe that means pick up the phone and call someone. Just connect with people in the church. Love is our fuel. We love God. We love and serve each other. Um, we have a home. At home, we, we, uh, we, we, we try to serve each other in the home. So as you think about this, maybe think about ways you can engage with other people in the home and how you can love them and bring this relationship that you have with God into their lives. How you can be someone who lives out your faith around your neighbors and with the people around you. There's one last thing I'd like to share with you. I'd like to end this message with a very clear, with a very dear and special story of freedom that is about a person who is very dear to all of us at Grace Community Church and many others in this community. When we think about freedom and, and that being 
the opportunity to do, the privilege of doing the things I want to do, to follow God, uh, to, to follow what He wants in my life, oftentimes the, the authenticity of the freedom that we have in Christ or the authenticity of our faith is seen when we're going through hard times. And when I think about uh, this man named Jay McKinney, our dear brother and friend, and you watch, if you're following him on Facebook and you're following what he's going through, it's very clear that he's at the end of his days. And he's had this fight over and over and over with cancer, and now he's having it again, and it looks like this time he's going home. But as you think about, you listen to his conversation, you listen to the things he posts, if anybody has a reason to be angry with God or to say, I am not free, it would be him in this, in, in this, in this circumstance. But when you listen to his posts, read what he says, yeah, he's going through so much pain. But one thing that is very clear is that he has a very strong relationship with God and that he is free. He is free. And the circumstances, the pain will not dictate this, it will not decide how he's going to experience this relationship with God and enjoy the freedom that he has in him. So he loves God, he loves his wife, he loves his daughters, and any chance he gets, he loves people. A couple of weeks ago, my son was in the ER, and because of the COVID life, I took him to the ER, and I wasn't allowed to walk into the hospital. I could take him in, but I had to, they kicked me out. I had to go wait in the parking lot. And I was sitting in the parking lot wondering if my six-year-old son was going to be okay. And I got this text from Jay McKinney. Why is he thinking about me? He's got enough to think about. But he sends me this text and he says, hey, I'm praying for Shiloh, praying for your son. And that moment blessed me. It says, I'm loved, I'm loved by God's family, I'm loved by God. And it just shows the freedom that we have in Christ. It's such a gift. Now, as, as, we, as we move on and think about this struggle of trying to live out this gift of being a child of God, of being his son, oftentimes I find that I think I'm doing it on my own. Maybe it's just trying to fight the personal battles or, or just going through pain. And the next song we're, we're going we're to sing, uh, I'd like to read one of the verses, and then we'll go into it. But, but it talks about this freedom that we have and how we're not doing this alone. This is what it says. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another 
in the fire. Here's the song, Another in the Fire. So now we come to this time that is so meaningful to the church. It's so meaningful to us who have a relationship with Christ. So I'm going to ask you guys to uh, go ahead and get your bread and get the cup ready because we're going to take a time to celebrate communion. And uh, uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus, this is a time to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So when we take the bread and we break it and we eat it, we're basically chewing it, we're remembering the body of Jesus that was broken for us on that cross. And when we take the cup, we're remembering the blood that was spilled so that we would be declared righteous, that we would be cleansed for, from our sins. So in Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus, Jesus said this, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I love the times that I get to just take communion. Because when I do that, it brings me perspective. It reminds me of the price that God paid for for me to have a relationship with him. And so as we do that now over there in your home, you're not going to see me actually eat the bread or take the cup. I'll be doing it with my family as you do it with yours. But I will pray and will give thanks for this. And what I would like to invite you to do as, as we go into this next song, that you would take a time in your home with your family and kids. Or just take a time to break the bread and the cup and eat it and answer questions, maybe if the kids are asking, why are we doing this? Just remind them, this is, we want to remember what Jesus did for us. This is an opportunity for relationship with Christ. Because every time we eat it, every time we drink of that cup, we are proclaiming what Jesus did for us until he comes back. Let's give thanks. Dear Father, thank you so much for sending your son to our world to become one of us, to live a life. And Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross to die this, this horrible death, this offensive death, the death of a criminal, to pay for our crime, to pay for our debt. Father, we thank you for your body, Jesus, we thank you for your body that was crushed. We thank you for the blood that was spilled on that cross. And Lord, we thank you for these symbols, these things that remind us of that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. So in finishing up that story about what happened to Shiloh, I'd like to let you know that my son Shiloh is actually doing really well. Uh, now it's past two weeks and he recovered fine uh, and he's doing really well. So I'd like to finish up by reading this first verse out of Galatians chapter 5, and it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So that thought this week, would it just stay in your mind, stay in our minds? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So I'd like to leave you with that thought. 
And I'd like to encourage you to join us now as our, our Zoom prayer meeting begins in a few minutes. Please join us, take a time to be able to share some prayer requests, listen to some prayer requests, and serve the church by praying for other people in the community. So you're invited to join us right away. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.